Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me tonight are two of our old friends. First, we welcome freelance writer Fraser Brown. Fraser, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. And we also welcome PC Gamers TJ Hafer. How's it going? Going pretty well. You know, I'm riding pretty high on uh, my recent trip to BlizzCon. As and... am I. And as is Fraser. Jealous. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly. I enjoyed watching it. <laughs> yeah, you really should have been there, man. It was be- it was the best. Uh, now, honestly, though, I will I will say before we get into our main topic, which is going to be BlizzCon related, just something about you know every conference has its own vibe, uh, and you and you slowly start to tune into the different flavors of video game conference. And I got to be honest, I really liked. I, I really enjoyed just how laid back BlizzCon felt. Like Blizzard as a studio doesn't really have that much to prove. Like mm-hmm. they, they, you know, things are going to be fine for Blizzard one way or the other. They can be better or worse, but they're going to be fine. But the cool thing is, like they they do have such a history at this point. The people at this conference are connected to Blizzard in a way that even in these general like community, like even in something like PAX, which is sort of community based. Mm-hmm. People like even even there, like people aren't as connected to PAX and the PAX community nearly as much as the people I encountered at BlizzCon are like intimately connected to the history of this company and these games. It's twenty years of history. It's it's huge. We were talking about it too. Like PAX is supposedly the convention for gamers by gamers. BlizzCon feels a lot more like that to me than PAX does. Yeah, it, it definitely did. Uh, and I, I think part of that, and if you have something like World of Warcraft, certainly that's going to be probably the crucial factor, right? Like people have kind of lived and breathed that game for Definitely. years. But you know, I was really struck by uh, you know if you watch the opening ceremonies when Chris Metzen comes out, and I mean, first of all, like what an amazing hype man that is! <laughs> uh, like that that guy just seems like a blast, but. The other thing is I'm listening to his voice and I'm starting to think back and it's weird this doesn't happen really that much at other at other conventions and such but like I'm listening to his voice and I'm thinking about like shit I remember listening to that voice come out of my sound blaster you know yes. when I was a kid <laughs> you know like I remember like I'm pretty sure this guy gave me mission briefings at some point in yeah. uh, orcs and humans uh-huh. Exactly I read um Fraser you wrote something for uh, I think it was awesome out of 10 correct Yeah that's right yeah and I wrote something for PC Games N, and I think we both ended up in sort of the same place. And TJ, you and I talked about this as well, where we all kind of had the we, we all sort of came into BlizzCon, uh, you know, not really expecting that much, uh, maybe feeling a little bit detached from the studio in some ways. And then it, it seems like a, we, we, on some level we came out of it, not necessarily true believers, but certainly a lot more excited about Blizzard and uh, it, its its games than you know for myself than i've been in years yeah i i I felt like a fan again which was a really nice feeling you know going into you know watching blizzcon i you know i'd been excited because obviously you know new wow expansion and hearthstone uh has been uh keeping me very happy for quite a while now um but i still thought i was going in just as a you know a journalist uh, but I came away just super excited, and I sort of got wrapped up in all the all the hype. 
Um, and it, it managed to tap into, you know, almost 20 years of, of nostalgia, which was fantastic. I remembered how much I, I used to love Blizzard. Uh, so it was great to be able to get back to that feeling. Yeah, and like I I just feel like it was the the attitude of positivity was something that was really refreshing. I mean, it's it's no uh no secret that, you know, if you if you publish an article today on almost any Blizzard game, you're going to see a lot of comments about, "Oh, Blizzard is dead. Blizzard doesn't care about gamers anymore. Diablo 3 blah blah blah." <laughs> and then just to be back in a room where it's like Hey, remember how good Warcraft 2 was? Remember how awesome World of Warcraft was? Like, and just all these people that are just, they're there to celebrate rather than to, to you know, be kind of part of this cynical internet hive mind that, that you run into a lot of the time. It, it was really refreshing and really got me back to, you know, those days when, you know, you would you line up outside a store to get, the next WoW expansion with other people that all love the same game and, and are just talking about it constantly. Even, you know, out on the street going to get a drink at 7-Eleven, everybody's talking about Warcraft. I was like, I wish the world was like this all the time. Celebrate is <laughs> definitely the key word there, yeah. I think. It, it didn't feel like just your ordinary convention. Uh, it was like a, a massive party to to celebrate like all of these great games because you know it's a it's a rather um, uh, interesting group of titles you, that they were mm -hmm. announcing and revealing. You've got you know you've got Hearthstone, which is a card game. You've got Heroes of the Storm, which is like almost a MOBA, not a MOBA, and a celebration of Blizzard's history. And then you've got WoW expansion, yeah. which seems to me to be a return to form. Did you realize, uh, or did you notice how uh, how well they did at never mentioning Dota the entire time they were talking yeah, about it? Yeah, I was very impressed. Uh, yeah, almost every <laughs> article that's been written about it has mentioned Dota. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah I, I do enjoy, and you see a little bit of this with Riot as well. Uh, but try to get any any of these anyone to talk about the other guy's MOBA, and it's it's impossible. Like, I, I, like I would love to do an interview with like. You know, I lay two hundred dollars down on the table or something, and like, if I can just get them to say the word, if I can just get them to say the word, they double yeah. my money. But uh, yeah, you know, but you know, for all that negativity, though, I, I I think what was interesting about BlizzCon from the start was even though there were no real apologies necessarily, it does feel like Blizzard were coming into this. Not so much contrite, but definitely like aware that there was a lack of connection that they used to have and maybe has weakened over the mm -hmm. years. Uh, which you know I think is why you had uh, had Mets in there, basically take us through the entire history of Warcraft. Uh, you know, like yeah. everything we've done in this universe. Uh, you know, and, and what it has meant. You know, taking us through that history sort of not just sets up the launch of the next expansion, but also reminds you. Why you wanted to go to a place called World of Warcraft in the first place? Because if you think back on it, right, the entire thing's weird. Like, it's not like EA has paid fortunes for various licensed universes that come with player bases pre-attached, and mm -hmm. none of them have really worked out that brilliantly. If, you know, if you if you wind the clock back and you look at World of Warcraft, did yeah, it was it was it was cashing in on on the Warcraft RTS games, but like the audience for that wasn't that huge, uh, and yet they still like. 
it, it was still such an interesting idea, still such an attractive idea to go to this universe they'd created. They, they created the biggest uh, MMO of all time. And so it was interesting to see them return to this whole idea of, hey, it wasn't just the world of Warcraft. It was Warcraft. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was really... It meant a lot to me to hear it. It was like, okay, I, I thought you guys had forgotten. I thought you guys had kind of like, you know... Uh, you know, like in the Stalinist fashion, you know, sort of airbrushed Warcraft out of <laughs> out of the history of World of yeah. Warcraft. Well, yeah, and like I, I Warcraft Two was one of the first PC games I ever played. It was the first real time strategy game I ever played, and I was in the. I mean, we're such a minority now; it's weird to think about. But I was in the group that jumped on the World of Warcraft beta because I was a Warcraft fan, whereas now we have, you know probably uh, who have played world of warcraft it's something like you know 12 million players at, at the peak that i bet a vast majority of those probably didn't really know hardly anything about warcraft and got you know pulled in by their friends or by advertising or by something like that and it was nice to to see him recognizing you know we're still here for those of you that have been around since since before we got big so yeah, I I remember when I first started playing WoW and, and traveling around Kalimdor uh, and looking for, for places I might recognize, say from like Warcraft three, mm-hmm. um, and, and like where the where the the horde crashed or or um, got shipwrecked just before they reached Kalimdor, and it was just brilliant. It was like a, a sightseeing tour. Um, of this series that I, I love so much, and I was getting to be there as as an individual um, rather than a commander of an army. It was bizarre, uh, but absolutely wonderful. Um, but it's weird to think that there are so many people now who only know of Warcraft through World of Warcraft um, and its expansions. You know, I gotta admit, there is a part of me Sometimes I like to go into a reverie where the world is as it should be and everything <laughs> is wonderful. And so as they were sort of leading into the announcement of Warlords of Draenor, there's this part of me that was like, why are they telling us all about Warcraft? Like, are they about to just say, fuck it, Warcraft 4, have at it. <laughs> yeah, like, like they, they bring up the World of Warcraft logo and then World of burns away and the flames <laughs> in the background are numeral 4. Yeah, that would be the best the best yeah, that thing that would have been incredible. Had. That's when you would have seen me rush the stage. That's like when the live stream would have like cut out as like I tackled them on the stage. No, but it, you know, it, it's interesting because I think we don't talk about MMOs on this uh, on, on this podcast, but I, I do find it it sort of seemed like they were making a bet with the future of World of Warcraft where it's no longer like they've kind of it seemed like they were kind of bidding farewell to the days when this was a, you know, 11 million person uh, MMO. Mm. Uh, that like you know it was just this huge phenomenon, and seemed very much like they were like sort of refocusing it on, okay, those of you who are actually invested in this universe and have been with us for a while, this is who it is. This is who it's for now. This is you're the ones who are still you. You know you you were there at the beginning, and you you're the guys who are going to whenever that happens. You're the ones who are going to turn out the lights on a World of Warcraft because. Mm-hmm. I I do think it, it's definitely in sort of a, a retrenching phase where now it's not about like growing the game anymore. It's about making sure that uh, you retain you, you retain the faithful and keep them happy. The thing is, people forget right. that Miss of Pandaria was the most successful World of Warcraft expansion. Um, was it? it uh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but the thing is, it, it was the whole idea of Miss of Pandaria was it was broadening the player base. It was trying to appeal to a lot more people than it, they normally do because it felt so detached from the rest of, of WoW. It was very peculiar. But Warlords of Draenor is, as you said, going back to the, the old guard uh, and, and giving them something to enjoy. And it's going, you know, it's time traveling as well, which is, is fantastic. Going back to, to Draenor before it was Outlands. And, um, and it does seem to be, as you said, about kind of just reinforcing what Warcraft used to be about rather than trying to appeal to the masses. I don't think it's going to be a case of these are going to be the people who turn off the lights, though, because six or seven million subscribers is still vastly superior to any other MMO. Oh no, absolutely. But I, I do think, but but I think at this point, you you can have several million people who have that level of investment in yeah. uh, in World of Warcraft. You know what I mean? Like World of Warcraft can last for a long time down from its peak because at this point you know it's just got this history that people have have attached themselves to yeah uh, but you know the, the other thing got me thinking about though and and it was kind of one of the reasons i want to talk to you guys in the podcast is, is just because i felt like blizzard was sort of getting have been getting back in touch a little bit with the fact that they used to be a pretty good stra- strategy studio they used to yeah. be they used to be before world of warcraft took over the world uh, and and before StarCraft became sort of the, their only RTS franchise and a, a very serious competitive one as well, they used to make just re- really really fun uh, strategy games. Uh, you know, running two concurrent franchises, and I was really excited to see. Uh, you know, apparently at, at one of the uh, panels at uh, BlizzCon, that they admitted that there is a team inside Blizzard that is working on uh, converting Warcraft One and Warcraft Two. Uh, to contemporary PCs, uh, to, to make that was one of the most exciting machines. reveals. Oh yeah, uh, that'll be fantastic. Well, you've seen you saw Age of Empires two HD edition come out recently and did crazy well on Steam. Yeah, Blizzard it was released, like wasn't like, it like War- number one or two on Steam for like when it when it launched or something. At for, least among yeah. strategy games, and yeah. it just got an expansion pack too, like a new expansion pack for Age of Empires two, <laughs> a new old <laughs> expansion or a new one. A new, new expansion that just came out within the last month, yeah. And so, you know, if they did Warcraft 2 HD Edition, I'd buy the crap out of that. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm not even sure, and I don't even want it to be 2 HD, right? Because the original art style for Warcraft 2 is still, like, I just found that one of the most gorgeous games of my life. It it had a, a huge amount of personality, but I think that it could be cleaned up. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't look. I don't need to be able to count the pixels. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, like I, yeah, I don't need it to be the game in my imagination. I know does not look as well as uh, the the one I, in my memory is a better looking game than the one that then uh, you'll see in screenshots. My my question is, do you think it hold? Do you think those games will hold up? Do they hold up? Like when you think back, when when you think back on them, like were were they totally superseded for you by later so RTS I- design? I actually played Warcraft 2 about, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago. Just picked it up again and, and played it. Uh, I think someone had it on a laptop or something like that. This is, right. So it's going back quite a bit. And it was still really fun. I mean, it was dated. Um, it was obviously dated, not just in terms of graphics, but also the gameplay. It was very, very simple. But it was still really good fun. It was, you know... 
easy to just jump back into even after years of not playing it. It's so instinctual to just like you know send out your gatherer units and just get into scraps and build these rather obscene orcish structures it's all you know we all remember what to do in warcraft 2 and but i don't know if someone who'd never played it picking up the hd version would have as much fun because i don't think it's possible to separate our, our memories of what it was like when we first played it when you say modern RTS mechanics, there are still things Warcraft 2 did really well that nothing else really has since, specifically thinking about uh, kind of the land and naval gameplay synergy, where, mm. you know, naval, yes. naval units had their own resource that you had to go out onto the water to capture that resource. Yeah. There was always this kind of interesting interplay between defending your mines versus defending your oil wells and, and different cool layouts you could get by putting water in different parts of the map. I don't think I've really seen that kind of a resource um, uh, system in a modern RTS that I can think of. You know, that's a really good point. And certainly games like Total Annihilation and uh, Supreme Commander went pretty seriously in the direction of naval combat uh mm -hmm. you know yeah. but it was different in that warcraft 2 kind of made them all those resources work together like it didn't feel like you had a water map and land map it felt like you had maps where the navy mattered mm -hmm. and maps where it didn't whereas i kind of feel like later attempts to include the navy uh you know and maybe it was just a weakness of, of you know chris taylor's bigger is better approach to rts design but you'd have this dichotomy where it's like if you wanted to play with the navy you'd plan a you plan a water map you you would play on a map where it was basically going to be like look here's a strip of land for you to like generate some crap to build ships with and then you guys just go out and blast the shit out of each other which was awesome uh the, the ships in total annihilation and a supreme commander looked really cool yeah but i liked the way that it felt like they they were part of the same strategic landscape in Warcraft 2 in a way that, yeah, I don't think a lot of other RTSs uh, managed. And, you know, Red Alert 2 uh, tried, uh, like, either... I don't remember which was first, but they definitely tried to get Navy uh, in around the same time. And they ended up with the Navy just kind of functioning as this weird, like, offshore support unit uh, that was relevant in narrow cases. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right that Warcraft 2 uh, made the idea of, like, you know, air, land, naval operations sort of coming together uh, really work for an RTS of that scale. So one of the interesting things, though, that, that I saw, you know, regarding Warlords of Draenor is that they might be maybe trying to bring some strategy elements back into it with the way you mean, like with the bases. Yeah, the way they've implemented the garrisons, uh, maybe not, you know, at launch, but possibly in the future, moving in a direction where we could see a pseudo Warcraft 4 type minigame within World of Warcraft, which is the next best thing as far as I'm concerned. See, it struck me that they would be more like your own unique quest hubs. And while you could send units, but really they're just heroes and champions and stuff like that, off to do their little quests and missions, I'm not sure if there's going to be a huge amount of strategy involved, but I, I can see how it could be expanded into something like that. If you could actually generate proper armies, like small armies, and have yeah. them clash with, uh, you know, if you're playing... Uh, as the Horde, you can have them clash with an, an alliance 
base. I'm just not sure how that works because they're all going to be instanced as well. Um, so I think there'd have to be some sort of agreement where you'd invite someone in for a battle into your instanced base. Um, so I, I think there might be, have to be quite a bit of planning. I'm not sure if they, they would want to go that far. It would be amazing, though. And if you were actually in there as well, like commanding them directly and fighting as well, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I just see it as like they're talking about the legacy of Warcraft, and then they're like, hey, guess what? We brought back base building. That's part of <laughs> WoW now. seems like the natural extension of that is, well, if you're bringing back base building, why not bring back, you know, controlling multiple units? There are quests in Cataclysm that have you kind of doing that, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't rule it out, because Warcraft, World of Warcraft has changed so much from when I played Vanilla. Like, there's things that are in the game now that back then I could not have imagined becoming features. So I could definitely see a possibility like that opening up, uh, and that would be really exciting. Not as exciting, of course, as Warcraft 4, uh, which I think <laughs> we're all clamoring for. Uh, yes. But unfortunately, I think the existence of this MMO universe like necessarily precludes them ever doing that again. Because well, there's that StarCraft mod... Um, isn't there? There's a kind of Warcraft yeah. sequel. Yeah, uh, I've not played it. Have you guys checked it out? Or? I haven't. Uh, I I haven't. I I've looked at some gameplay footage, and it looks like it doesn't look like it's going to feel like Warcraft. It that, to be honest, it looks it. like Starcraft with Warcraft skins, but the that still looks really cool. Oh, it definitely uh, looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean, though. It doesn't really take the place of a, of a Warcraft 4. Yeah. On the other hand, I, I did think... So, when we had Soren Johnson on here uh, the other week, one of the things he was talking about is, is that he felt that MOBA has kind of overtaken the RTS. Uh, not just in terms of popularity, but in terms of the fact that like people who once played RTSs and liked the sort of central idea of RTSs have moved on to MOBAs because it's like an RTS that you can actually play without practicing it like it's a musical instrument. Uh, and Are that's... they, though? Because I, I, I think that they actually require quite a lot of work. I mean, What maybe if we ruled I, out I... Dota? What if we ruled out Dota right at the start of this conversation? Okay, well, I think League of Legends still requires uh, quite a bit of investment to get good. And, I mean, you also have to make sure, you know, you have to put a team together if you really want to do well because pugs aren't that great and... And you also don't want to have to deal with the abuse you get hurled at you by well, random people. <laughs> um, okay, I don't. I don't entirely know that I'd agree. Uh, yeah. Mainly because, like, with with like with with Dota and, and League of Legends, both, I sort of felt that their problems were overstated uh, in terms of uh, how difficult they are to get into. I think there's a bit of that element of, oh man, you don't want to play this hardcore game that I've learned to play. Like, well, I mean, it's not that it's difficult. It's just that there's. Uh, it, there's a certain amount of investment that needs to be put into these games and right. practice before you can actually get quality matches. And w- with Dota, certainly, I think you, you've got an element of that. I, I, I think with League of Legends, there's a little, there's a slightly reduced uh, learning curve in part because their their heroes tend to follow certain templates. Uh, there, there's nuances within those that matter a great deal. But like, if you learn to play a certain class. Uh, those skills will be fairly translatable uh, across different uh, champions that operate in that class. So I, I think there's a bit of that. and But I think the main factor is this. like You can still have fun kind of being a bit shit at uh, a MOBA. 
in in some ways uh more easily than you can have fun being bad at a multiplayer rts um, See, i don't feel that way at all really when I, yeah i mean i um played a little bit of league of legends um and i didn't really get into it and i had a horrible time because i was sucking and everyone was just getting very angry at me for being shit and i just gave up i got into dota a lot more and 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 dota 2 i've i've played a bit and and enjoyed a lot more because i've been able to get reasonably good uh, you know and and get hmm. some fun matches going as well and some cool people to play with uh but with RTSs, even when I'm sucking, I feel that because there's a lot more to do, I'm having a lot more fun. I think it's also got to do with the fact that I just enjoy RTSs more than I enjoy MOBAs. So I'm going to obviously enjoy, you know, sucking more at an RTS than a MOBA. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it is just my, my bias for the, the genre coming through. But yeah, I, I, I do prefer them and I have a lot more fun even when I'm really shit. All right, well... <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for uh, shitting all over my segue uh, <laughs> and the rather facile analogy I was going to make. Uh, no, but I think I think to your point, uh, it sort of felt like Heroes of the Storm. God, I'm gonna, like every time I have to say that name, I'm fighting not to call it like Heroes of the Swarm or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Why are those names so close, you bastards? They were not. They didn't have an acronym quality check department or something maybe maybe they just had maybe they just faced facts and like that like that blizzard all-star all-stars was a terrible name maybe like they were deep in denial about that for like a really long time and so they just <laughs> kind of latched onto a different name uh but no yeah i i, I start looking at it lo- looking at its art style and everything and the, and the way it's playing it, it plays out and everything i got pleasant flashbacks to uh earlier warcraft games uh, in terms of the scale and uh, just sort of the sense of sort of lightness and fun uh, that, that accompanied that game. Uh, but then I also definitely got a feeling that, you know, I guess in sort of true Blizzard fashion, they've looked really hard at what people are doing in this uh, genre and are kind of trying to find an underserved uh, audience uh, with MOBAs. And the Heroes of the Storm definitely feels like, and I, I know people are going to use this as sort of an epithet uh, against the game, but like it definitely feels like a slightly more casual, accessible uh, MOBA in ways that I find really appealing. It does, and it breaks out of the sort of Dota mold that it seems like people have been afraid to break out. I mean, Riot has done experiments, you know, with with Dominion and with Aram uh, in League of Legends. But, you know, nothing that's ever really taken off. Whereas my the thing that excites me most about Heroes of the Storm is that it's pushing from the very beginning, you know, multiple maps, different rule sets, community created maps are going to be a big deal. I mean, it's one of the reasons I couldn't ever stick with Dota as long as some people have is it's, you know, it's the same map over and over again. And it's a major problem great for some people, but I've just never gotten that that into it. Did you see the giant murloc? I did see the giant murloc. <laughs> it looks brilliant. I that doesn't really add much to the conversation, but I just love that giant <laughs> murloc so damn much. <laughs> Murlocs always add to the conversation. 
Well, I think the map issue, though, is an important one because, yeah, MOBAs in general have been sort of dominated by the Triline map uh, and mm-hmm. really dominated by this idea that there's a competitive game that should always be played, like all MOBAs should sort of right. roughly fit into this template established by the original uh, the, the Dota, the Warcraft 3 Dota mod uh, and the competitive community that grew up around that. And that has led to a lot of really great games coming out of it, but it did sort of feel like th- the fact that you could have people calling them legitimately like Dota clones for years and years and years it sort of spoke to a problem uh, in that you in, in you had people like doing variations on very similar themes, and I really liked how... Um, Sort of Blizzard's first order of business is kind of to throw that sort of ritualized, uh, you know, competitive game, uh, throw it right under the bus and try to open it up a little bit with very different sort of map dynamics uh, that we haven't really seen before. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, when so Riot's Twisted Treeline map uh, does a lot of interesting things in, in League of Legends. It, it has capture points, uh, you know, temporary power ups that you can you can fight over. Um, it, it's all very it's sort of a knife fight in a phone booth type map, and it's really cool, uh, you know, for that. But I always sort of wish that there were even more options that uh, you know maybe you'd see in League of Legends more more uh, more maps that you could play on that would have a different feel the way Twisted Tree Line has a different feel from the the standard game. And I'm kind of hoping like Heroes of the Storm seems to like scratch that itch. Mm-hmm. And also, it's it's nice to see that they're trying to make matches quite short as well. Um, because that, that was one thing that I, I forgot to mention when I was saying it can be an investment. Is, is In some MOBAs, matches can go on for just way too long. And having, what, like about half an hour, like 15 to 20 minutes or something like that on, you know, in uh, Heroes of the Storm, I think will really improve things people can just jump in for like a quick session you know between work or something on their lunch break um which really speaks to to the casual market as well do you feel that so i mean that was certainly a criticism i was seeing leveled uh you know against the game a little bit just in that uh you know it might be too aimed at casuals that you need to have a sort of a deeper more competitive game there uh, to satisfy people and keep them coming back again and again. Otherwise, you might just end up being a novelty. Uh, you know, did, did you did you all did either of you have reservations like that? Heroes of the Storm would just be kind of a one trick pony, or in or given that it has a number of maps, maybe a three or four trick pony. I can't say I've really played enough of it yet to make that decision. I can see why it's a concern. Um, honestly, I kind of feel like games like League and Dota are are a little bit too complicated for their own good and, and complicated to a point that it doesn't necessarily, you know, there's a point of diminishing returns where complexity doesn't necessarily, you know, translate into, uh, you know, better a better strategy game. And as far as, like, all of the fiddling you have to do with items and things like that in those games... I always felt like it was kind of one layer too much, almost, and maybe that gives me away as more of a casual MOBA player. Um, I didn't really answer the question, but <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the pseudo answer I have right now. Is you know I, I kind of need to I would need to play more of it, but it seems like more the type of game that I would spend a lot of time on than 
than the current offerings in that genre. And part of that might just be because I'm a Blizzard fanboy, and I really like the idea of playing with, like, the official Blizzard characters, too. You know, there's that element to it, but, yeah. I just don't... I've never liked the idea of casual being a, a dirty word yes. in the first place. I mean, what does... It doesn't really mean anything anyway, because you can be someone who plays certain games in a hardcore fashion, obsessing over everything and pouring just hours every day, and then another game that you'll maybe play 15 minutes a day and you just want to do it with your mates. Does that make you casual? Does that make you hardcore? Calling people either or just seems childish and silly. Um, yeah, I, I think that actually Heroes of the Storm just seems more focused. Um, and you've got things where they've, where they've removed like items and it's all about like your talent builds and stuff like that. That's nice. And it also kind of, uh, I think people coming from say like, wow, where, you know, it's all like you've got how you build your character around talents and because items can get thrown away almost instantly, it's the talents that you stick with. That will be nice to, you know, for people coming into this game from an MMO, where obviously items are still a big deal, but there's certain kind of synergies there. One thing I would say is I, I do hope that they have longer format maps. I would like to be able to play... Heroes of the Storm, and, you know, if I have time for it and jump in to, like, a 45-minute to an hour match and at mm. least have that as an option. So that would be something I would be a little bit concerned about if they're just, like, not nah, every match is 20 to 30 minutes. It kind of makes me think back to when they, they took that philosophy with Battlegrounds in World of Warcraft, and I kind of stopped playing Battlegrounds because they weren't as interesting anymore. Yeah, you definitely want some variability in a multiplayer game like you want you want the possibility of it also turning into some sort of epic length uh showdown that you know when the match ends you're just sort of sitting back there in your chair like you know neo yeah. and the matrix whoa yeah it's it's yeah. A really it's a it's a it's a cool feeling when you get caught up in that uh not so cool of course when you like you know miss your bus or something because you couldn't get away <laughs> uh but but still certainly it's definitely a possibility that, that's worth maintaining and honestly but i'm not too worried about that i honestly think like there's no way this is going to be like a 10 to 15 minute only uh moba like the, the like i i can't i can basically not imagine a scenario where two teams who know what they're doing are not going to be able to stalemate each other a little more effectively than that. Uh, so I, I like I think I think that will sort itself out. Uh, I think you'd almost have to contrive it really hard to not uh, have games maybe extend a little bit beyond their uh, ideal window. Mm -hmm. The the other interesting thing is just it seems like it, it definitely seems like there's a lot of really cool ideas for champions that are informed by the fiction of blizzard's different games uh like yeah. jim mm -hmm. rayner being able to call in the uh battlecruiser hyperion uh to come do a firing pass yeah uh, over territory or alternately if he needs a little extra like close air support or something he can call in cloaked banshees to come and take down a uh an enemy hero that's a really cool idea and you know it's it's just kind of nifty to be lo like looking at a game and like, oh yeah, there's Jim Rayner with a machine gun and some banshees, and oh here, you know, here here's um, you know, here's Kerrigan, not not Kerrigan, but like you know, here's here's that dude from Diablo, uh, Tyrael. Tyrael, yeah, I played Tyrael actually. Yeah, he's an interesting hero. 
Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that that aspect of it. I, I was talking about it earlier. I mean, I when I the the MOBA I got into the most was Dota, and going into Dota, I didn't really know who the heroes were. By the time I stopped playing it, you know, religiously, I I kind of had an idea. Like I could go on R slash Dota and and understand, you know, what the jokes were being made about the different characters. But these Blizzard characters are like, you know, have you know, years and years and years of history with them. And, you know, it's it's almost... It's the same same reason Super Smash Brothers is a cool game. Because you're yes. getting to throw together all of these characters from different games that you've played since you were a kid, and you know how cool they are, and all this history about them, and they're beating the shit out of each other, and that's awesome. It's nice to see that they've kind of narrowed down how much you can change the the heroes as well. I mean, Dota has like so many different types of builds, and you know, it can be a, a little bit confusing and intimidating. Um, but because these uh, characters are informed by the fiction, there's there's not as much that you can do with them uh, to make them, you know, have like hundred different types of bills or something like that because it just doesn't fit in with with the characters it's something i really enjoyed about the idea of these other game modes too is is i like that we've all played we, we've all played the mobile games where the the action centers around you know when to push a lane when not to mm-hmm. uh when when to roam when to gank that sort of thing uh i liked the idea though of there being maps that like force almost like mini game style encounters like you know trying to bribe that freaking pirate uh on blackheart bay where like yeah. i love the idea that you can just be like okay so you got your guy with the like the sacks of cash and if he gets ganked your entire power up could end up going to the other team because the coins will drop uh and i love the idea of it being like this you know the moment the like the moment there's enough tribute assembled to pay off the pirate that you will have this entire like you know uh it reminds me a little bit of uh team fortress classic uh the escort uh game mode uh you know where you had to protect the president or whatever and uh i i like i i like the idea where suddenly the the normal action of the game will shift and suddenly you have someone who's wearing a giant target on his back and you've got to protect him it's it's also interesting in that you know, at least in the maps we got to see that it's almost, it's like a, a soft victory mechanic, basically. I mean, if you activate that pirate ship, it seems, I mean, maybe at the pro level it'll be different, but it doesn't seem like something you can really come back from. Like, the, the objective of the game ultimately is to destroy the enemy team's nexus or whatever, but really, once you've fulfilled the special map objective, you kind of have your way paved for you. A little bit. I did kind of dig the the um uh the haunted mines map idea which is kind of this tug of war notion that you have uh, a grave golem or whatever that you go down to a dungeon uh-huh. and you have this sort of competitive dungeon element that's happening it reminds me a bit of um remember those old Nickelodeon kids shows where it was like the last the last like contest was always the most ridiculous goddamn thing people just running around screaming their heads off oh uh legends of the hidden temple is that what you're thinking well, of? that's yeah that's one of them definitely but even like even where in the world is carmen <laughs> san diego would end with yeah. kids running around a giant world map like trying to plant like giant red lights over the right countries and getting it hilariously wrong uh yeah. but like this whole idea of uh you know, okay, well now you you've left the normal overworld map and now you're in this dungeon and it's like uh 
go crazy. Try to be the best dungeon raiders you possibly can. <laughs> uh, you know, in this in this compressed game mode, and then get this grave golem on your side. Fight him, kill him. Go back to the overworld, and now this guy's going to like sort of drive the lane forward and just like wreck shit uh, that's in his path. And then I gather that it sort of repeats, like that once he dies, that the other team will have another opportunity to go and maybe get him on their side. Uh, you know, by 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 winning the, uh, the 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 mine. At least that's my understanding. And so you'll have this. You'll have this. You know. You'll have this pushing the lane notion, you know, this this tug of war idea, uh, but it's also tied to this other game mode that's on the map uh, that really that that really that really interests me because uh, it's just it's so different, and I definitely feel like I'm ready for different when it comes to the MOBA. And it seems to be quite relevant to to Blizzard as well, going down and delving into a dungeon as well. It's very Diablo. Yes. And they've got other things as well, like um, it's like he was it healing orbs or something like that as well that spew out. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, that's very... yeah. The uh, the uh, the minions, the enemy minions can drop health orbs like in Diablo three. So yeah, if you're that's pr- that's pretty cool. Just, yeah, if you're laning, uh, you know, one on one or two on one or something, you can actually stay in the lane. Pretty much indefinitely, if you're careful, without having to go back. And even if you do have to go back, the maps that we played on are like significantly smaller than like Dota Two, yeah. Um, even League of Legends. <clears throat> so, and they have mechanics like the these gates that you can run behind that keep you from getting ganked at your tower. Um, it's it's going to be a very different game. You see, none of this strikes me as as uh, negatively casual. No. So I really no. think that, and I mean, I get when people are calling it casual, it, it's it's fine because they're not necessarily saying it as a you know it's detrimental. But there are going to be people who are like it's just for filthy casuals, and this just this seems complex enough and uh, with enough variety to keep a lot of people who have been obsessed with Dota or LOL still pretty interested. Yeah. Because they don't want the same old crap. If they've invested, like, thousands of hours into Dota 2, why would they want that all over again in another MOBA? Well, exactly. You saw on... Like, I saw people reacting to it where it's like, boy, another MOBA. I don't care. And it's like, well, yeah, but this looks different. It like it, it looks like a different sort of MOBA. That, that, that matters. Uh, and I yeah. don't think that... Yeah, you're right. Like, I suspect that for most people, there's not a ton of incentive to switch from league of legends to dota or vice versa like mm. you've invested in your game you've picked up the skills you don't want to you, you there's not really a ton to be gained by being able to switch back and forth between them fluidly yeah but this definitely looks like a game where oh you're good at one of these other mobas uh well this is different this is a different game uh mm-hmm. and that's totally exciting and i kind of like that yeah there i sort of felt like recently there's been this like cult of esports almost where i mean how many games even before they're out they're talking about well let me tell you about our esports focus let me <laughs> yeah. tell you about how we're making this a really com- good competitive game yeah that always puts me off because i'm not i mean i know you, you guys are interested in, in esports and i i, I like enjoy looking from the peripheries but i've never really gotten into it and i'm not very you know into my competitive mobas or stuff like that so that that sort of always puts me off uh, i just want to know is, can i have fun <laughs> any, i don't really care about uh, anything else 
Anytime I interview any new, you know, strategy or MOBA developer or even shooter developers, honestly, these days, I have a question that, that I always have in my notebook. It's like, do you have plans to pursue esports? And I have in parentheses, yes, before the interview has even started. And I've never had to cross <laughs> that out. So <laughs> it's like everybody wants to pursue esports these days. Right. And like, I get why that is. But I also feel like there is an element of well, it, it's it's like just it, it's like it's like any community, I suppose, right? Where like you have vocal minorities who just tend to be fairly negative. But esports focused people have really specific wants and needs in a game, uh, and to be a good esports game, you need like there are certain things that will help it remain interesting over the long haul to watch and there is a tension between that and making it there's sometimes a tension between that and being the kind of game that a ton of people want to play and spend a lot of time learning and playing and a lot of developers i think tend to be a little bit of denial about that or they just want sort of the whatever glamour there is attached to esports they want to sort of associate themselves with that uh but i kind of like that with (laughs) heroes of the storm uh, Blizzard just doesn't really seem to care. Uh, it, it definitely seems like it's sort of, you know, there's plenty of MOBA esports out there. This is more a, well, I mean, I suppose this is what reminds me of of Warcraft, right? Yeah, is that this well, is this is more laid back. And what the, what they basically said was, you know, we're definitely designing it to be viable as a competitive game. Whether or not it becomes an esport, we're going to leave that up to the community. So I, so I remember a while back. Do you remember the um, the showdown effect? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I remember when that was uh, still that was like I think back in January, um, and uh, I asked Arrowhead what their thoughts were on on esports because they had the whole Twitch integration, uh, and they're like, yeah, we don't really want to make this an esport thing because then the balance would have to be so refined that it might actually make it kind of boring and there wouldn't be as many surprises. And I do kind of feel that esports makes a lot of games a bit clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't get any fun out of that. I think that sometimes ba- like making things, you know, balanced can actually ruin a lot of the entertainment. Yeah. But I, get, I know that in, when it's competitive, you have to have that balanced. I mean, it sort makes of, sense. It's sort of. It's a little maddening, though. It's like, so, you know, rotating the StarCraft a little bit here for a second. Um, balance is really complicated because yeah. you have players developing the metagame as the game itself is being balanced by patches and such. And so you will have, like, you know, for instance, when 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 in competitive StarCraft, uh, the the Zerg definitely got overpowered over the course of 2012, in part thanks to patches that helped them ease early game pressure. Uh, I think the, a a queen upgrade uh, had unintended consequences for the way Zerg were able to play, uh, and those became more exaggerated over time, but. Then you had people sort of start to figure out that you could win games really reliably uh, with Broodlord and Infestor Play. And yes. so 
in spring and early summer of 2012, you had people starting to get really far with that. You started to see Brood, Broodlord and Fester play uh, becoming a major factor at tournaments, but it wasn't like all you saw. By the autumn and winter of 2012, uh, like Broodlord and Fester play was the Zerg strategy. Like every game, you were basically yeah, seeing... it was ubiquitous. Yeah, and... It got a little bit boring, but the, the the point is though that this was an this was a balance issue that only became apparent as more and more players got versed in the style and figured it out and how to make it work for them. And then the entire game changed because now you had not only sort of the balance issues that a sort of developer can address with patches, uh, but you but you had but you had now th- th- this this strategy that was so ubiquitous that everyone was sort of playing off of it. Um, but then you have something like a, a player like this, this programmer called life who, for whatever reason, just seemed to hate that strategy and began trying to win these really early game, uh, strategies with, uh, like focus on good old Zergling, uh, Baneling, uh, you know, busts and, and rushes. The sort of stuff when you associate with Zerg, right? Where it's like, oh, Zerg going to be this crazy right. horde. It's like guys all around you. And it, it you know, so it seems like it's so tricky to balance stuff like that because when do you have an issue with the game design versus when do you have a community just sort of figuring out that right now there's a dominant strategy that nobody's figured a counter for yet, but those counters might not just have been discovered yet. And so balance proceeds in this weird... Balance is a little weird because I think the community definitely sort of tends to be hyper-reactive to the perception that the game is unbalanced and unfair. And esports communities like want seem to want at least sort of a roughly 50-50 split between the different factions in an RTS. But the question is, is that even a reasonable goal given the way strategy evolves? Uh, and I, I don't know how you balance that, and I'm not sure Blizzard have entirely figured it out either. Because uh, no. in, in, the, in the StarCraft panel... When they were talking about balance, they were just like, "Yeah, well, if you look at the uh, you know the, the the top players in every on every ladder server, um, you know the the win rates are pretty balanced. Uh, so you know we're not too concerned about the current state of the game's balance. And yet, if you talk to anyone who watches StarCraft, there's sort of this this feeling that Protoss are pissing people off, um, and it's not just sort of the end game results that are bothering people, but also the way the games themselves play out. And so balance is just this, it's just this weird thing that it's like, sometimes you have to sit and wait and hope that like, maybe the community just needs to figure a new strategy out. Maybe the, maybe the metagame needs to shift as players understand the game better. Uh, and then, yeah, there might also be issues where you have to change and tweak uh, gameplay values. And I think Blizzard have not entirely figured out what approach they want to take and i think the esports focus complicates that enormously uh because you you know when you have money on the line and professional players playing you can't give it six months uh to wait and see how it changes you need to get on that right away because those mm-hmm. pots are ridiculous aren't they for esport competitions like vast sums of money yeah pretty large like i mean the winner of this tournament just took home 100 grand yeah, it's it's not to be sniffed at. <laughs> that'll uh yeah, that'll pay your rent for sure. That'll buy all of the upcoming StarCraft expansions. <laughs> oh man, just 
Just imagine how many Hearthstone boosters you get with that. Yeah. Just, he dumps it all on Hearthstone boosters. Just, just pay me but in then, Hearthstone. It's the beta, so it's like he's not going to keep any of it, but he'll get the super special forum badge for buying 100,000 booster packs or something. Uh, oh, that, uh, would be, that would be, oh man, that would be the most delicious scandal in esports, though. Like, players, instead of getting checks, are like getting Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah. World of Warcraft subscription time out to 2035 <laughs> or something like that. God, that'd be hysterical. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, with, with StarCraft, it was interesting because their focus actually seemed to not be on the... Uh, first of all, they, they do not seem to be talking about Legacy of the Void much at all, uh, which mm. uh, has me a little bit concerned, uh, ever so slightly. Uh, I would like to start to hear them talk about when that eventually uh might might show its uh show its face but their focus with the panel definitely seemed to be like yeah the state of competitive game is you know changing we're trying we're looking at balance blah 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 and then they spent the rest of the time talking about uh making it more available for free using the starter edition and then getting people to be playing in the starcraft arcade uh, you know, playing the different game modes and mods that are available in the arcade, which uh, I have to confess, I have barely played. Like when I log into StarCraft, I tend to ladder. Uh, I tend to ladder or skirmish uh, just to just to practice. But like, have you guys gotten into the StarCraft arcade at all? Uh, not really. I've uh, wanted be, to. It's been interesting to read about it, you know, and and to to see the increased focus. But it's not really been something I've put any time into. Yeah. Like I have to admit, I, I haven't myself, and I was surprised how much they were making that sort of the central pitch now to uh, for, for StarCraft is mm. like, oh man, get StarCraft so you can play not StarCraft. <laughs> uh, well, when, they're which, making yeah, they're making the arcade section part of the the free the free thing uh, yeah the free edition yeah now which yeah is well, they awesome. they said that back in like August or something didn't they? I just heard about it at BlizzCon. They might have announced it sooner. Yeah, I, it was like a repeat of the announcement, really. <laughs> it's like, we've yeah. announced this already, but here you go. It's going to be free, too. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. I, I thought it was new with the 2.1 patch. They were uh, rolling this out. But it's interesting that like so much of their pitch seemed to be not just like you can log in and play games that aren't StarCraft. Though that was definitely part of it. Uh, but then they were also really saying like, Hey, if you're a modder out there or an amateur game creator or something, you know, why don't you create your games in StarCraft? Because we have 14,000 models and 22,000 textures, and we're a great environment for developing your games. I thought it was a really odd and interesting. Like, the, it, it kind of baffles me. Like, it, it's so not core to what StarCraft is, and yet their entire focus was like, no, we want this to be kind of a, a place for experimentation and amateur game design. Uh, and we want you, as the players, to be screwing around in the arcade and just having fun with these different game modes. And it just seems it's really interesting to me because for so long, like the pitch with StarCraft has been, you know, play the play the last great competitive RTS. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's been you know designed for pro gaming, and it's the same game that the pros play, and you can play it too. Uh, and th now that that is completely changed, and it's become all about this uh, the the sort of mod scene. It's not that crazy, though. I mean, going back to like Warcraft 3, for instance, 
yeah. uh, modding was a really huge part of that. And also, it, it seems that you know PC gaming is going back to this whole like it, it's there's like a creative renaissance. So maybe a part of that was was uh, Minecraft uh, and getting people into games not just to play games but to create. Uh, seems to be a major focus um, for the whole platform. So I, I don't think it's that weird. It's weird maybe in, in the context of StarCraft, but uh, not in general. Well, I played probably 80% of my time that I spent with, with Warcraft 3 and with Frozen Throne was in the custom map scene. And you would just, yeah, definitely. you know, you'd, you'd log in and you'd see what was towards the top of the list. And it's like, oh, that sounds <laughs> cool. I'm going to download that and try it out. And I would love to see StarCraft 2 become that. I don't know if that is going to actually happen since the launch of Arcade was, you know, frankly botched to the point that I think people have a negative opinion of it now and might not know, hey, you know, they've made a lot of changes. You should maybe come back and check out what's going on with it. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely going to at least, you know, give it a look and, and see what it looks like now. I should have a lot a lot longer ago. Honestly, it, it, that excites me more than faction balance. <laughs> a lot more. Yeah, yeah well, that's especially... something they're always working on. When are they not working on faction balance? But this is something new and interesting. And they're adding in, like, they're adding stuff into the StarCraft editor specifically just for the modding scene. Like, they've added, like, orc models recently to the StarCraft editor that were never used in the game, but it's like, here, here's some orcs for you guys awesome. to, to use, and I'm assuming when Heroes of the Storm comes out, those assets will be available to us, so that will be cool. I, I think what I like the most about it, though, is it just, it, it, it's like 180 degrees from sort of the blizzard that produced Diablo 3 in some ways, mm -hmm. which was all like, no, no, you have to play it our way. You got, you yeah. know, you got, you got you be connected. No, you gotta use the auction house. No, <laughs> no. And it was it was like this really uncomfortable. Like I just wanted to play your fucking dungeon game. And no, fuck you. No. And, and and this definitely seems like much more much more forward thinking, much more PC friendly. Like, hey man, just like you know, use these assets and create games, and like let's play them together and see what you can create, like come up with. And Do you think it's imagine. because Activision Indie is uh, Activision Blizzard is now indie <laughs> that they bought themselves out? <laughs> they're, oh they're god, that'd be, like, that'd be hysterically funny. Activision Blizzard, yeah. the new indie like, dev. <laughs> Bobby Bobby Kotick is no longer like wearing suits at all. Period. He's, He's just like showing up like, in like sandals, and like hemp clothing, and like yeah. Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> hey, just just open it up. Just just you know you, you never know when the next great idea is going to come. Bobby Kotick's there. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is my hey, this is my StarCraft mod. I, I I hope you guys like it. Uh, I'd love some feedback. It's well, it's, it's imagine, actually it's actually a Call of Duty game, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, imagine if they had done what they did with StarCraft Arcade with Diablo three. Like one of the major complaints about Diablo three when you got past Auction House and Always Online is, you know, there's not enough content, and they're like, well. You, at BlizzCon, they're like, well, we're introducing this new mode with completely random dungeons and letting you roam around the overworld and stuff. It's like, just let us mod it. Just let us make our own Diablo 3 dungeons. You know how much content there would be if you opened that up to people to, to you know, to mess around with? The random dungeon with? thing is still really cool, though. Uh, it is. I'm excited. I mean, I really... 
up until recently didn't give a shit about Diablo 3 because it I really felt quite let down. Um, I I barely touched it. And then Torchlight 2 uh, was basically where I spent all of my time. Yeah. So it will... You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in, in the expansion and uh, the overworld stuff where you can just jump around wherever you like. That's pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, the random dungeons as well. But modding would be fucking awesome. I Yeah, I definitely hold out hope that you can see some of the values like on display over at StarCraft and maybe port them over to... Uh to Diablo that would be that would be delightful um and maybe you will over time it definitely seems like you know so the Starcraft stuff interests me because it reminded me a lot of um you know a year or so ago uh one of Starcraft's the, the Starcraft community uh like kind of lost its mind a year ago uh and became really convinced that the game was about to die and it's, yeah. it's always near a state of panic, and there's always a bit of angst about it. Some of it was quite well-founded. But a year ago, there was this like real crisis, and sort of the, the mouthpiece it had was this player, Destiny, um, who is always kind of a bomb-throwing character, I guess, on, on the pro-gaming scene. But he, he, he went off on this long rant on Reddit that uh, was shared a lot and discussed a lot in, uh, in the StarCraft community, which was like, hey, you know, nobody wants to play this game, right? Like, Blizzard have made the mistake of thinking people wanted a competitive StarCraft game when nobody ever actually played StarCraft that way except a fairly small fraction of the audience. Like, people, what made these games huge is that, like, they were they were fun to, like, they were social experiences. You screwed around with your friend uh, and you, you played these games. And he was like, now the game's become too hyper-competitive, uh, too focused on that. And it really should be more about custom games uh, you know, mods, people playing, you know, people playing that stuff when they play StarCraft. Uh, that's how you build your audience. And I think this was kind of a tacit admission that, like, Blizzard are coming around to that, where it's like, yeah, we we, we do need to make a, like, we, like StarCraft 2 is not a casual game, and the campaign doesn't, the, and the campaign doesn't sell copies like it used to. So we need to find other things for people to do uh, in this game. And I think this is kind of the answer to that. I think Diablo 3 ends up in a different place because I think fundamentally they still want, like, for, for now at least, they want to sell the expansions. Um, and then we'll see what they might do with modding after that. I'm, I, I like, I, I don't know if, I don't know if the problems they identify with these two franchises, uh, you know, necessarily have the same remedy. Right now, Blizzard seem to be focusing with Diablo at least on, um, you know, certainly something I got from Josh's preview on PC Games N. Uh, Josh Augustine was that they're kind of trying to make the encounters themselves more interesting, get beyond just the same, uh, you know, in Diablo three, you had a problem where, you know, you go all, you go to a ton of different dungeons, the core mechanics of what you had to do felt really similar because the monster types weren't that different. You didn't have the way they now they're going to be interacting with each other. Sounds fascinating. I'm so excited about that. Uh, yeah, I read his preview as well, and it really it got me quite hyped about the expansion, to be honest. And and there's there's uh there's something to be said for the fact that that they're looking at how to improve Diablo three, not in the sense of like, okay, we've had two games released very recently that were basically reactions to Diablo three. I mean, Torchlight two and mm. Path of Exile were both very much sold on the the line of if you're upset with Diablo three, play this. And instead of trying to go back and emulate those games, they said, well, what can we as Blizzard do with our resources that 
you know, it would be a lot harder or less viable for games like that to do. And that's kind of the direction they've gone with it. Um, there's still big issues as far as, you know, forcing always online and not really having what I feel like is a good excuse for keeping that around. But it, it at least they're, they're making positive steps in, in some, on some axis. Yeah. Question has, has Diablo three been pirated though? I'm sure it has. I haven't checked, but I, I would be shocked if it hadn't. I mean, you'd have to have an emulated server. Same with World of Warcraft, but yeah, yeah, because a lot people of people play World of Warcraft. Yeah, loads of people play like on vanilla private servers still. Oh um, wait, that sounds amazing. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, yes. I've, I've been I... really tempted to check that out. Because uh, oh I have really a lot of fond memories of vanilla WoW, and there's no doubt in my mind that it's improved. But I would still like to go back to that time. You know, there's almost oh, yeah. almost a decade ago. So it would be a it would be a nice little sightseeing tour of what WoW used to be like. Oh, I mean, they God. they've they've changed things obviously to take into account. Like I think they've they've like added new items and changed like stats and stuff like that. But generally, they've tried to keep it like core vanilla Warcraft. And I think a shit ton of people play on those private servers. Yeah, I, I could I could definitely get behind going back to vanilla and yeah. wandering barrens for, I don't know, half my life. Yeah, uh, God, I spent so much time in barrens. Yeah, no. Uh, best worst zone. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, the, the final thing I want to talk about, and we will be doing a show on this, uh, I'm, I'm sure fairly soon, but I am amazed how much hearthstone has blown up like th- like they oh, were getting yeah. they were getting 100,000 views on the tournament stream for hearthstone like it was rivaling their starcraft global finals uh in terms of viewership like people cannot get enough of this game and i was very i was very skeptical about it but i heard enough good things from enough people that i was like all right fine i'll try it and um yeah, it's it's a fun little game it really is I couldn't give two shits about like CCGs and all that rubbish, but when I got uh, code for the closed beta and started playing Hearthstone, completely addicted. Absolutely adore it. It actually made me also resubscribe to WoW as well, because I remembered how much I loved Warcraft. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal game. Uh, and what open beta is starting... Like, In a month. Yeah, tentatively. Tentatively, they also did leave it open to slip till next spring uh, because Blizzard. Yeah, twenty fourteen, definitely. Yeah, no, I definitely. Um, uh, it's been amazing to see how this game catches on and and how seriously like people. What's interesting, this is, and this is, I, I guess, what sort of intrigues me about uh, Heroes of the Storm as well. But like people, like like Hearthstone is not what you consider like a super serious difficult collectible card game it's no. not magic no it's no. not magic uh, to the point that i almost wish it was a little bit more like magic um i mean i like i like how much faster and more streamlined it is i wish there was a little bit more in terms of like counterplay there aren't really any oh i'm hiding this card so i can cancel your action type things uh which i there I feel are like a few there are a few things like you've got the um like the ooze uh, minions which can like melt weapons. So if you're fighting like a warrior or something, you can <clears throat> counter them using their their sword or whatever. So there there's some small counter tactics where you can just keep a card behind just in case. 
Right, but it's like everything you do is on your turn. There's nothing you yeah. can really do to mess with your opponent's turn. Right. But I like that. It's because I, I, you know, as I said, I, I'm not really into like my, my card games. But I was able to jump into Hearthstone really easily and win quite a few matches, which I was very surprised by. I, I thought I'd get my ass handed to me constantly. Um, so I suppose maybe for someone coming from Magic, where it's a lot more complicated, there might not be as as much to get them excited. But there's still, there's a lot of like deck building and strategies, and if you look in the forums, there's loads of discussions about about building the perfect deck for different classes. Yeah, you know, there, there's clearly like, you know, so the guy who won the tournament, uh, Dan Artosis uh, Stemkowski, mm. uh, is maybe arguably the best or one of the best StarCraft II casters, uh, and mm-hmm. also has a major background in uh, tournament level uh, competitive card card, card game play. Uh, as I understand it. And, I mean, like, he won this tournament in part because he got super serious about it. Like, right now, he's yeah. posting he's posting test sessions he did before the event on his <laughs> secret deck builds. Like, now they're going on <laughs> Twitch because he, he, he was going in, like, under cover of, like, you know, he was in stealth mode before this tournament because he was like, no, I'm going to fucking win this thing. Which, I mean, that's, that's, that's something you see with uh, a lot of, you know, other esports where it's like they won't show their best strategy until they get to, like, round of four or something like that. Yeah, I'm more like, what will this card do? Ooh, magic! <laughs> but but I love that. But I love that. That's there for both people. Like you can just play Hearthstone and just have fun with Definitely. it. Definitely. Or you can go, you know, completely the other direction and be like, just min max the shit out of it. Just really optimize your decks uh, and, and figure out like how to play it at this really sustained high level. And I just find that, uh, I mean, that, that's delightful. Like that's uh, you know, I I think there is this. Even though Blizzard repeatedly disproves it, I, I feel like there's this sort of feeling that complexity begets depth, uh, inaccessibility begets depth, and that's just clearly not the case. Or at least it may not be the case with uh, when you factor in like diminishing returns, right? Like after a certain point, yeah, you add enough complexity, you'll probably start seeing some depth, uh, but will it be worth it? Will will anyone care? Uh, and I and I like how a game like Hearthstone comes along and just the entire competitive community of uh, of pro gamers at least uh, across a bunch of different games have completely adopted this as like the official off hours competitive game of yeah. uh, esports. And that... but it is great that you can you can just leap in and just experiment or have a laugh and not take it seriously at all. You could you'll win some, you'll lose some, but but generally you'll have a fun experience. Or you can go the complete opposite route and have like different decks of the same of all of these different classes. You can have like a mage, three mage decks, and have it tailored towards specific encounters. And you've got your trap deck and your, you know, uh, your arcane deck and God knows what else. And you've got your minion decks, and it's it actually gets quite complicated. Um, so yeah, it it is great to see that both types of players can still get a lot out of Hearthstone. And it's still only closed beta, so there's probably a lot more to come. So, overall, um, sounds like we're all back on side. I don't know that I ever was necessarily offside. I I mean, I've always loved Blizzard. I've gone through periods where I I loved them them less, and there have been times when, you know, it happens, happens to the best of us when 
just being surrounded by this vocal minority of of naysayers has kind of gotten inside my head and i'm glad blizzcon reminded me that that it's minority is the key word in vocal minority there i mean i feel like there are just there are so many people out there still who love blizzard games and always have and will rally behind this community that that you know we're a part of and it's good to be reminded of that so I, I think that I definitely had some problems with Blizzard over the last maybe couple of years. Uh, still enjoyed a lot of their output, but you know I, I got I went off uh, WoW after Cataclysm, and until recently hadn't touched uh, Miss of Pandaria. Although I actually I changed my tune on that, and I actually really enjoy it. Um, massively disappointed by Diablo, and barely touched it after I picked it up, and I've I've not really gotten passionate about starcraft 2 in the same way i did with uh, the original starcraft but this blizzcon has completely changed my mind but it was it was working up to that anyway because i've gotten so into hearthstone and changed my tune about miss of pandaria but this did make me almost a true believer i guess and certainly as i said earlier a, a fan again well, we're gonna get you back on side with uh, StarCraft. We're gonna like we're gonna we're gonna do this. Like we need to create like we need to create like a secret tournament among like strategy game writers and stuff. Like just let us oh, suck man. in private. Just let us be crap in private. Just like a floating game of StarCraft. You know, for me, I think. Um, I mean, I was gone. I have been like I've been gone from the Camp Blizzard, as it were, uh, for a while. Like, but the last the last game of theirs that I truly loved. Um, probably Warcraft three. Um, I played a lot of World of Warcraft, but it always made me feel a little bit grubby. Uh, and, and that might be in that might be in part due to uh, the fact that I played most of my time with World of Warcraft uh, in a shitty rental house with like twelve dudes, uh, just like chain smoking and just drunk off our asses the entire time. Uh, and so when I flash back on it, it's like. You know, it's it's kind of like, you know, leaving Las Vegas or something, or yeah. like the Lost Weekend, where it's like, oh god, that wasn't that was not a hobby. That was like a, that that was a like diagnosable condition. Uh, yeah. But you know, the other thing is, you know, the positivity of BlizzCon was nice. I liked being around it, but I also felt like, in some ways. It does suck being surrounded by the negativity of an impassioned and pissed off community. Uh, and sometimes I have this problem with Twitter as well, you know, like where if you read something negative, like the studies have shown, right? If you read something negative, you tend to feel negative about all, everything a little more uh, for a certain time after. But I also kind of feel like this BlizzCon, though, was kind of a testament to sort of the good that can come of that negativity. I feel like Blizzard were told uh, in various ways that there was a problem, that they were not speaking to parts of their audience they've traditionally spoken to. And I feel like this BlizzCon, again, they didn't offer any apologies, but it definitely seemed like everything Blizzard was doing was addressing concerns that their fans have been bringing and screaming about for years. Uh, and... I'm kind of hoping this sort of marks a return to uh, not not necessarily to form because I mean they were they were still a they were still a good studio all along, but maybe making games that people genuinely loved rather than just admiring their polish and craft, uh, which is I kind of feel 
where Blizzard has been for a while. Yeah, I I would I definitely agree with that that sentiment. Uh, anyway, so thanks so much for joining me, guys, on short notice uh, for this BlizzCon extravaganza. Uh, welcome back anytime, and we will certainly gather around again uh, to talk about Hearthstone or something like that uh, before too long. As always, my thanks to our producer, Michael Hermes, for cutting this episode together, and my thanks to you for listening. Uh, this has been Three Moves Ahead. Good night. <laughs>